0: To edge of the rabbit hole. I'm Mike Ricksecker, author and ghost historian. With me, as always, Vanessa Hogle, my co-hostess, and of course, down there in the chat room, shenanigating the chat. That would be Shauna Wankel. So thank you very much, our chat shenanigator. Up tonight, we have a fantastic couple of guys with us from Paranormal Quest, Ryan Zachrow and Jason McKinney. Uh, they've been investigating a long time. Met out there. You guys are probably familiar with it, uh, Moundsville. And they have a really, I love their channel, Paranormal Quest, very, very high quality paranormal investigation videos. Uh, So we're going to get into all that there, you know, all their experiences, evidence they've collected, places they've been, all of that. So um, Ryan and Jason, welcome.
1: Hey, thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you. I was really enjoying the conversation that you guys were having with Vanessa uh, before we started the show, talking about Mon about because you guys are there, you know, all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, and Vanessa had some really interesting experiences, even though. It was a public uh, hunt, and she had some things she didn't like uh, about some of the people that were there. Uh, she did have some interesting experiences there at Moundsville, but you'll know, kind of talk about like the whole genesis of, of Paranormal Quest, where you guys uh, started, and you know how it's like. I said, I, I really enjoy your videos and the, and the high quality that you guys have. So, how did this whole thing come to fruition?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting how you say that because Moundsville, the West Virginia Penitentiary, is really how we all became a group. We all met at the West Virginia Penitentiary because at various points in our lives, we have all worked at the West Virginia Penitentiary as tour guides, uh, maintenance staff, you know, paranormal guides, you name it. We've all worked there. And actually, I met Jason in 2009, February of 2009, at the penitentiary. He had actually booked it for his own private group, and I was the guide that night, and I showed them around and investigated with them, and we've been friends ever since here you know, a decade later. Uh, and just two years ago, I asked Jason to join Paranormal Quest as a full-time member of the group, but it really started, Paranormal Quest started with myself, Steve Hummel, and David Gere, and we had a passion. After meeting at the penitentiary, we decided that we had a passion for filmmaking as well as investigating the paranormal, and we wanted to use, combine both of those and create a project that we could uh, say had a lot of integrity and that we could kind of inject with our own style and just really enjoy creating. And, you know, we've been doing it since the first time we filmed was September of 2010. So coming up here in September of uh, 2020 will be 10 years of filming Paranormal Quest. And uh, we've been doing it ever since. We've traveled many very historical, very haunted locations. And it, uh, it really has been a really cool journey. And then, of course, in 2017, bringing... Jason on board and meshing the way we did it all kind of you know came together we work really well as a team and uh, it it just works you know we have a, a very strong friendship a very strong bond between the four of us and we love what we do so and from the investigating to the filming all the way through to releasing the evidence and the episodes and seeing everybody's reaction on our YouTube page so it is a lot of fun and it's become of course a really long, steady passion of ours, so.
2: Let me ask you, since we were discussing Moundsville, and as much as you return there, obviously you like the location, and obviously that you're getting something back from the location, but do you feel like you have made almost friends or comrades of those in that location, especially in the area off of where they would eat? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's that that room on the bottom floor where they have the tables, like where they would eat those cells that go back in that particular area.
3: Oh, North Hall. North Hall. Yeah. North Hall. More or less uh, <clears throat> establishing a relationship is what you're saying with, with the spirits. Yeah. I would say we kind of have, I mean, we we, we feel, I'd say a lot of times, I know I feel a lot
4: of times like I have,
3: I'm sure, you know, uh, Dave, Stephen, Ryan—you know—I mean, the, you know, you guys have for sure. I mean, you know, so uh, sometimes it's—it's it's interesting because <clears throat> when, we, when we're when we're there working, maybe say we're we think we'll we'll see if we can get an answer. You know, we'll we'll try and talk to them a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, sometimes we get a response. Of course, you know, never happens on key, but I know sometimes at least we kind of joke back and forth about oh, they know it's just us, and they you know it almost gets to a point where we think perhaps they're like eh. You know, it's the guys again, and it just kind of blows us off, you know.
1: I mean, it's funny that you say that because it seems like every time before I go into work, which being a paranormal guide at the penitentiary, it's like I spend a lot of time walking through the, the areas by myself, especially before other coworkers get there. So, and I've walked through North Hall by myself many times, and it's almost every single time I go through North Hall, mm-hmm. I will say, I'll, I'll I'll talk to them. I'll say, hey, guys, just to let you know, there's a group coming in. Hey, it's just me. And I'll even ask them, how are you guys doing tonight? You know, there's a group coming in here, they're going to be trying to talk to you, you know, if you can, if you're able to, if you have the energy, please speak up and please talk to them, please communicate. And almost as though a reassurance, not that they need it, but, you know, a familiar face, whether they recognize me or not, I don't know. But, you know, I feel like if I were in the afterlife and I could have the ability to see a familiar face and respond to it, I would, I'd like that reassurance from somebody that I recognize to say, Hey, even though you don't know these people, they don't mean you any harm. It's okay to talk to them, you know,
2: and, and for, those uh, that, for those that are buttheads during the investigations, yeah, you can, you can mess with them a
0: little bit. <laughs> there you go.
1: Okay. Sometimes we go through, especially if, uh, you know, there's people that have been there in the past and you know, you know, that they weren't necessarily the kindest, you know, they used a lot of provocation or they, you know, say, Hey, don't be afraid. Why don't you go in there and you just scare the crap out of
2: them. The one, the one area we didn't get to go to was where the females were kept. And is, is that for a reason? Because I was really drawn there, but there, but we were unable, unable to go there. Is there a specific reason that they keep that away?
3: Um, now there may have been, um, there were ladies, uh, for a while inside the main penitentiary. They, there would have only been a handful up in the warden's home for a while. They were trustees. Now <clears throat> the prison, of course, I think they only had like around a hundred at most up until 1947, but now they were actually kept separate from the men, um, in a totally separate building. But unfortunately that building, I think it was in the 1968 riot, mm-hmm. um, it, unfortunately, sustained a lot of fire damage by the inmates, and so they had to tear it out by, like, the mid-'70s. So there may have been a little bit of confusion on that um, as to perhaps you – that may have been, because I know an area that uh, there was a, a certain amount of the population that was segregated, so to speak. Back Would behind – back
2: over by the wagon gate.
3: Back over – well, that very well, you know, that could have been the OMC. yes. yes. The OMC was old man's colony, and now that was for inmates uh, 65 years of age and older, typically with health problems. But it gave them a, a safer area to be housed, away from the younger population who had more potential of uh, doing harm to them or even taking advantage of them. But now that's that. I bet you that's probably what that was, because the OMC it's actually up right by the north gate. There was two of them, but um, mm-hmm. ironically, they're both right there,
1: one on either side.
2: Yeah, it just and seemed to have women congregating in front of it
1: yeah sorry back in that back corner is where the women were um okay. and where and that where sense. that building was the the doc the division of corrections and rehabilitation for the state of west virginia they still use that area for training and for offices and things and so they don't allow people back there just because that's their area so okay
2: that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> i just wanted to go where i was drawn and i couldn't <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
3: We're the same way sometimes. Yeah. We
0: hate it. it kills you. you know? Yes, it does. So yeah. I just want to let you guys know that uh, David Geer is in the chat. It says, Dave's in the chat due to being a cog for the corporate world. <laughs> so he's in there. <laughs> hey, Dave. Uh, we also hey, have a couple know. other comments and questions uh one is from both uh shauna and uh katie hopkins say the same thing that you guys need to come to the mineral Spr- to mineral springs in alton for the paracon so um I mean, june first June 1st we'd love to have you out of course um and then judy wilson asks what do they want to find out about the paranormal so um you, it's paranormal quest so what is the quest do
1: you want me to take you want to take
3: I'd say uh, go, ahead oh, yeah, I'll go ahead on that. Go
4: ahead
1: on that. It's interesting because when we first started Paranormal Quest, it, at least for me, and uh, I can't speak for the other members, even though I really know what their mission is. I can't. We all have our own individual missions, um, but the, the quest really was to understand the paranormal a little bit better, just like everybody else does, and to look at it from a pretty objective standpoint on my end, not so much skepticism as objectivity. And to analyze the evidence and to help create a platform that we could display that evidence to the world that would be as well as informative, would be informative as well as entertaining. So that's where that came. Uh, Our whole main mission was to collect the evidence uh, and then present it in a documentary film style format. Uh, every single time we investigate. So, it's it and we will put anything out, you know, no matter whether we catch something or not, we're making a documentary out of it.
4: Good. Uh, Good.
1: Unless, you know, tragedy strikes and we lose the footage. We've had a lot of a lot of that recently. We had a hard drive that ended up being damaged Ooh. and we lost two investigations. So, yes. in those cases, we aren't able to uh, release the investigation. So, right. but you know, the whole mission statement has always been to help ourselves understand the paranormal a little bit better. Through that objective research, through gathering evidence and trying to analyze that evidence and comparing it to the history, we kind of threw around a few years ago the idea of having a slogan called um, "History Resurrected." You know, because that's really what the paranormal is—it is history that has happened in the in real life to real people, real yep. people living these real experiences, and then having these experiences or having these moments be resurrected beyond life beyond from beyond the grave so to speak for lack of a better word i'll use that cliche um but that really i think is what it's all about is you know combining the history with the paranormal evidence analyzing it objectively and trying to help ourselves better understand the paranormal field or rather the afterlife or everything that goes along with it and in doing so helping others as well better understand it
0: yeah absolutely absolutely Absolutely. I'm right there with you. We have a $2 super chat from Dustin Samario, by the way. So thank you very much, Dustin. Yes, appreciate Stephen. that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, um, you know, because that's, that's a lot of what we talk about, you know, here at Honor Road Media is that, you know, these people's lives have essentially been lost to time. So resurrecting is a, a great word. You know, we're, we're helping them to be remembered today because they've been forgotten over all these years. So that's that's absolutely wonderful how you actually uh, incorporate the history along with it.
4: Also,
2: um, in Moundsville, have y'all? And I I, I apologize. I haven't seen your videos yet, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be hooking myself up and watching. Okay. (laughs) We appreciate. In in Moundsville, y'all, there you have a lot of um, you have a lot of people that didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. And I was a lot, a lot, that uh, were there based on color of their skin and being poor unfortunately um have y'all run into any evidence that would support that in any of the footage that you've ever gotten have any claimed innocence
1: i'm trying to think back we've done so many investigations at the penitentiary it's tough to remember all the evidence that we capture off the top of our heads i mean i would not just in the filming but just investigating as a whole i would say yeah you know we've come across what seems to be spirits claiming innocence uh you know had voices come through the spirit box claiming innocence and you know even more notable inmates who had spec that there was speculation about their innocence whether or not they had actually been guilty of the crime that they'd been accused and convicted of so um but off the top of my head giving you a detailed uh example i can't think of anything can you jason
3: not right off. It's right off. It would almost be more of, more of an instance where, uh, you know, it could almost recall some, not necessarily admissions of guilt, but something that'd be more along the lines of a guilty conscience type thing. Uh, for instance, um, you know, there's been EVPs pick, picked up of, of threats, um, things like that. Uh, your EVP, which was technically seemed like it was in the context of a conversation, perhaps a, <clears throat> excuse me, of a, um, your experience in the infirmary, where you captured a voice that said, I told you not to make a move. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, that particular EVP was back in 2009, before we started filming with Paranormal Quest, and I was up there with a different friend of mine, uh, who has since stopped investigating the paranormal. Uh, he was uh, we were both sitting up in the spu which was the special programs unit which is the psychiatric unit most of the suicide watcher inmates exhibiting strange and unusual behavior would be placed in this unit of the penitentiary and so we were sitting up there and we were conducting an evp session fairly chill moments up until this piece of evidence presented itself it wasn't as though we were uh, feeling uh, or we were being aggressive or we were asking vigorous questions we were just laying out questions waiting about 30 seconds as you normally would in, a, in an EVP session and it sounded like all of a sudden out of the blue caught us completely off guard I mean startled us completely it sounded like somebody fired off a shotgun
2: no and we heard the same thing really yes holy shit
1: same <laughs> same area of the psych ward yes Oh, wow. And we
2: and we heard it um, when you're standing in the hallway, looking into the larger room. Mm-hmm. It was in that corner, in, in the in the right-hand side corner before you would go into the next hallway. Hmm. Do you know where I'm talking about?
1: <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Could you say that one more time?
2: If you're okay, there was the rooms that had that looked like they had the um the The medical or, or gynecological chairs okay. in it, and okay. um, yeah. th- they were in that hallway. Then there was a larger room, mm-hmm. and then there was another hallway. If I'm remembering correctly, because this has been a cool okay. minute, and I'm yeah. an old lady, okay, so just bear yeah. with me. But it was in the far right-hand corner, far corner of the room before the hallway, before the second hallway, and it was loud.
1: I, uh, that, so, okay, that is exactly where I was sitting when we, when we heard you <laughs> captured that. <laughs> no joke, that is exactly where yeah. myself and my friend were sitting whenever we heard that.
4: Yeah. Um, so
0: well, then, I'm would you me. say that's a residual haunt?
1: I, I, would, I mean, that was always my, uh my idea behind whenever i analyzed it and and, but see we caught an evp afterwards and it sounds like the evp says i told you not to make a move so when we capture it sounds like a gunshot followed by you can hear it almost sounds like a shotgun shell hitting the floor Mm -hmm. and then you hear a man's voice and he says i told you not to make a move the guard Mm -hmm. yeah as if it was a guard resorting to using his firearm on one of the inmates and that would be something that would be very residual because that happened frequently at the penitentiary yeah. that the officers would use their weapons so to have a residual It was about moment, 2 a.m it was 1 30 <laughs> 1 or so.
0: it,
1: was, it was just after 1 30 whenever
0: we heard it back in 2000 so pretty close around at the same time nice yeah. nice
3: that does sound residual yeah. and a, lot of, yeah. a lot of the activity in the infirmary does seem you, you almost mm-hmm. seem to have a little bit more residual I would say, would you agree that there almost seems to be a little more residual than intelligent for the most part? Yeah. Cause you get, well, a, lot of, emotion, you get a lot of emotion.
2: Yeah. yeah, due to the emotion that makes a ton of sense because that was one of the areas that I got taken off in again, you know, and they kind of had to run after me and bring me back. And it, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me cause there was just unbelievable sadness up there and feelings of aloneness and despair and pain. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of pain, especially in the room that has a broken down bathtub in it.
1: Bad. Yeah. Just off of that long hallway. Yes.
0: Yeah. That yeah. end of the
1: hallway, there was uh, a few years back. This was actually during the filming of one of the episodes, which was kind of creepy. We caught a very, I don't know whether it'd be sinister or um, we caught it, we caught it and heard and caught a disembodied voice that was referencing rape at, uh, oh. up there in that same hallway. Uh-huh. Couple of years back, um, uh-huh. now there has been reported cases of um, in the history of the prison not only inmates being taken up there during the riots to the to that infirmary. Uh, we did some research and actually found reports of when the riots kicked off, they would take inmates that they thought to be deserving of sexual assault and they took them up there into the infirmary and that is where they would violate them and rape them. and So you're absolutely um, correct. Yeah. So and, and so that was kind of interesting having that strange voice that we captured and and heard with and and Dave Dave Gear heard with his ears uh, and we captured it having that validated with that history which was kind of strange uh, but also uh, really really interesting uh, <laughs> so but yeah that whole floor up there that, that I would say that's probably one of the most active places in the penitentiary, a mix of both residual and intelligent hauntings. Uh, And it's probably one of the oldest parts of the prison too, because before it was a hospital, it was the upper tier of the original South hall cell block. So Mm. which that cell block was completely torn out. And South hall is actually where they had uh, these, the the death row cells. So that whole area contact visitation, that shadow man hallway, the classrooms the workshops the infirmary all of that used to be a cell block at one point and that's where the people who were sentenced to die at the hands of the state by execution were kept until their execution date roundabouts before they were moved over to the death house where they were going to be executed so it's awful yes. it was it was bad
0: Well, hey, we have a, you know, you're fine. We have a a couple of super chats down in here from Joe Chandler. She says, in honor of Vanessa finishing her book and Chuck getting his degree. Congratulations, guys. So, yep, book four. Uh, And then there was also a $5 super chat from Katie Palmer. She says, love you all. So, I'll have to go back and see if there are some more questions after that. But um, there are a couple before. So, one is, uh, this is from Shauna, our chat navigator. Uh, what is your favorite piece of equipment and least favorite pieces of equipment to use, and why?
1: This is a good question. Yeah, I'll let Jason talk a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I've been bogarting the time a little bit.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: You're
0: good. Uh,
1: that that's 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 a good question. You know, honestly, um,
3: as far as personally, my you know. I could say a favorite piece of, of equipment, but realistically speaking, I, I would say, I guess if I had to pick a favorite, it would just be what we all have, which is just first, I mean, without being too simple, just your own senses. First and awesome. Foremost, yep. Sense that, you know, I mean, Hey, it's free and, 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 <laughs> You know, but, you know, it's just well, like, good. as comic-wise as is, you know, I mean, it, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to be too blase, but um, for instance, you know how when you experience something, um, your gut instinct, as soon as it happens, you know, whether it's, it's more of an alarming thing, startling, or if you feel threatened or intimidated or, or, or frightened, it seems like maybe that can kind of help send you in the right direction in, in terms of, okay, is this something malevolent, something I should be worried about, something that, you know, Uh, if that makes sense, you know, your gut instinct as soon as something happens. Um, but as far as electronic piece of equipment or just other, otherwise, you know, actual equipment, um, I, you know, that's, I would say, honestly, probably video camera, video camera, audio, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: um, least favorite would be, um,
4: real quickly, I would say maybe dowsing rods just because I'm, I'm no good with them because I
0: <laughs> I <shake my> <laughs> right.
2: I can't use them either because they just point right back on me. They'll
0: nice, nice.
1: I, yeah, they just spin around and if you choke. Ever me. happen to lose yourself? You could always find yourself <laughs> with some dowsing rods. Yeah. <laughs> there I you mean, go. I should walk around
2: with a name tag that's upside down just so I know who the fuck I am. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, let's see. And, and Megan Talbert was asking if, uh, or where your, uh, show was. And so I do have the link to their YouTube channel, or she was asking if you guys are on YouTube and I do have the, uh, link to the YouTube channel down in the description of this video. So you guys can, uh, link there after this is done. So uh, they do have a lot of I'll great stuff. Right there. What's that? Oh,
1: sorry. Never mind. I see. You. <laughs> are you never
0: watching mind. the chat? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Um, so, uh, Fran Molina was asking what, and I was going to ask you this, uh, to give us a, uh, a preview, because I know you just came out with like your first episode of The Cold Case Hauntings. So, what's yes. that all about?
1: We had this idea. So, we uh, over the winter, we were kind of brainstorming new ideas, because for Paranormal Quest, we've had a very similar format. Even though we've changed and evolved and improved mm-hmm. our format, it's always been pretty much the same with what we did. Collecting the history of the buildings and then going in, uh, and of course, do interviews and then conducting paranormal research, collecting evidence and then connecting it back um, and just chronicling our journey through these places. And then we thought, well, what if instead of investigating locations, we looked more towards honing in on specific people who had passed? And then we started thinking about, well, what is one way that we could use it to uh, bring to light new information that has not really been known or hasn't really been. Uh, hasn't really been released in, in some way or fashion. So we thought, well, you know, there's a lot of unsolved crimes. And the more we started looking into it, the more we started to realize how many unsolved murders there actually are out there. And we started to think, well, this is something that we can do because we can use our talents as paranormal investigators, as well as our talents as filmmakers to go out and research and investigate these specific murders, these specific cases and try and try and communicate with the the victim who lost their life and to see if they might have some insight. And, you know, we had some communication in the first episode that we uh, featured in the first episode of cold case hauntings. It's, it is technically not a cold case. It's still an active investigation, uh, but it is an unsolved murder. Uh, But it just kind of fell into our laps because um, just some, connections some uh it, they're they're connected to someone in our group and it ended up following a, a young man 29 year old man named mark lundell who went missing back in march of 2018 and was missing for for 36 days before they finally found his body in, in the Monongahela okay. river down in fairmont uh, just in a in a park called Palantine park in fairmont they found his body now his family knew that he was missing and they knew there was something wrong and and there had been sightings of bodies in the river and a man floating down river screaming for help and uh, but it is a really touching story because we interviewed two of Mark's sisters uh, and they tell their story of basically from the time he went missing what it was like trying to find their brother and what it was like dealing with The fact knowing that their brother probably was deceased, that he was gone. And still to this day, not having answers as to what happened to him fully, not knowing who actually took his life, not knowing in what way he actually how he actually ended up in the river. So it's it's a pretty it was it was definitely an emotional day because we filmed the whole thing over the span of a one day period. And uh, it was a very emotional day. Uh, A lot of tears were shed during the interviews a lot of tears were shed when we went to the locations where they where they saw him in the river. and uh, and during the investigation, a lot of tears were shed because there was genuine communication during that. Uh, and it, it it'd be harder for me to describe it to you. It's easier for you to actually go and watch because we had specific questions that were answered. Uh, Crystal, his sister, heard his voice say her name through the PSB eleven spirit box. I mean, it's clearly, it was one of the clearest voices I've ever heard come through the PSP-11, and it very clearly said her name, and she said it was very clearly his voice, so, um, and then a few other responses as well that, that were just pretty, pretty cool. We didn't, uh, of course, you'll have to watch it. Um, just like anything, you know, paranormal-related, it's not uh, for sure a, uh, it's not reliable, you can't
0: You know, uh, sorry, I lost my trailer. you oh, I've you're been good. awake almost 35 hours straight. Well, so, uh, oh like, wow, <laughs> that that makes for a long day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I've been awake a long time. So, but anyway, yeah, it uh, it it's hard to rely on paranormal evidence alone to, to solve that type of crime. So it you
2: know, uh, can open up the lines of communication, and I yeah. actually I actually know of which I speak on this because I flew to New York to investigate the disappearance of Holly Ann Hughes, who was supposedly from the, the Cropsey case,
4: mm-hmm. who was
2: was supposedly kidnapped and presumed killed by Andre Rand. And so, I mean, I, I know of what you speak, you have to be careful of what you put out there, you because you have to worry about libel, you have to worry about slander, you have mm-hmm. to worry about all of that. Um, so I get it, I completely understand. We We disclosed everything we could without giving names of whom we spoke with. And our whole purpose was not to exonerate who we believe didn't do it, that they pinned it on, but to open up the lines of communication with the community in hopes of actually uncovering who was responsible for not only her disappearance, but many other children, young adults and adults. So Mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from. That having been said, were you given any information through EVP or anything else that might lead you to believe you've got a lead on who was involved,
1: um, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say it was through EVP, uh, particularly because we we couldn't again, like you said, because of libel, we couldn't feature in the interview segments who who the who Crystal, their sister, suspected had done it because she had a whole list in her head of the people that she suspected were involved and did it, and was there was there was some. I would say validation when she asked those questions for certain names, but again, you know, you can't release a video.
2: No, you can't, but there's two.
1: Right. There's two. But it, uh, yeah, it was definitely very eye-opening for her. And you can see the moment that her her eyes are open, but we have to, of course, censor the names. We cut out parts of it, you know, make sure but you know the whole story is there you know you can tell that there is a there is closure in the it's very commendable that y'all are doing that so uh well thank you yeah we 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 feel like it's a way that we can use our talents and our skills and and what we love to do to help other people who could use it you know who who need that help who need that closure so absolutely absolutely
0: so I mean, I, there's so many things that uh, I, I could say about that. Because I've done a, f- a few different, uh, oh, probably about 15 of them, I guess, here. Videos on, like, the, the Stephen Avery case and something and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, getting into those, you know, true crime cases and, you know, revealing perhaps something a, a little bit new, you um, yeah, I mean, like Vanessa said, it's very commendable that you're you know, giving back in such a way, um, and it is kind of risky, especially for something so new. Um, you know, so is there? Is, I guess, without getting into too many details, is there something that they're actually pursuing with that, or it, it, you said that there was closure? So are they just done with it?
1: Uh, it, it was it was more personal closure for her. Okay, uh, I don't know as far as uh the authorities the, the the authorities go i don't know that anything that that there was any revelation that could lead them in the right direction um but it certainly helped her you know um because like they had stated in the interviews it's a very tricky case and they and they understand that just like everybody else a lot of the people that are involved in this a lot of the people that are being interviewed or that are suspected of being involved are unreliable sources because of heavy drug use, um, and there's not much that they can rely on as far as factual testimony from some of these individuals. So it is a very tricky case, um, but you know,
0: well, and like you said, it's still very recent too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
4: it is very recent.
2: Unfortunately, you know, due to the water element, any substantial evidence would have would have disappeared. Unfortunately.
1: Right. Especially he was in there 36 days, you know. Exactly.
2: So yeah, anything that would have been tangible that could have been used in a court of law would have been long gone.
1: Right. So yep. And uh but the biggest thing, the the biggest victory with that I would say is for his sisters, for them to feel like they got closure, for them to at least know that their brother is there with them, uh that he is just right there with them all the time whenever they want to talk to him you know because all it took was for us to sit down at a table not even we, we were in a hotel at a table we brought some items that were relevant to him and, and his connection to his sisters and we just said mark are you here and after about an hour or so he started about 45 minutes or so after he started to come through you know so i think it was very uh, it, it brought emotional closure for them to, to know at least that, that that he's there and that he is looking out for them and that he's talking to them, you know, so.
2: that That is, if I was there, I'd give y'all a big O hug because that's <laughs> just, that's what this should be.
4: That's right. what it yep.
0: should be. Absolutely. Hey, we have a uh, $5 super chat from Chipper Terry, so thank you very much, Chipper Terry. Absolutely appreciate that.
4: Thank you.
0: Um, so... Along that same vein, with um, with helping people, and I know you're very heavily involved with uh, West Virginia State uh, Penitentiary. Um, and we've seen some of these historic places, and I, and I know that particular <coughs> facility had some issues um, not too long ago um, with historic places having problems with uh, funding, staying open, uh, things like that. Like I, you guys came out to St. Joseph's Hospital. Um, mm-hmm what was that last year and um you know and and that's no longer accessible now and, and that keeps happening to a lot of these different locations so do you guys do different things to help as far as you know you're doing it with the people you're doing it with the buildings as well
1: right yeah you want to take this or you? as far as what the prison goes yeah just in general i think he's talking about like it, the, the, the the benefit of historical preservation with paranormal investment exactly yeah oh absolutely
3: yes um well it's just like how ryan was saying earlier i mean um you know when when uh, him and david steve founded 18 years ago i mean it was about the history you know first i mean it's like i've always said the way i see it is it's really hard unless you understand the history of a location it's hard to attempt to understand the haunting you know how, how can you understand the the mystery of something without knowing the history i mean Another word, well. was a, uh, <laughs> You know,
0: aside from being a medium, Vanessa.
3: <laughs> but no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's incredibly important, you know, because if you can't, you know, preserve the history and the, and the, location, um, then, I mean, then the haunting, that, that part, that aspect of the history is, is essentially gone. I mean, you know, virtually, and it's just like, even, uh, during, um, are there our time there at the St. Joseph's hospital and how you were telling us about the, uh, you and Greg about the, the, the original part of the hospital, I believe it was that was torn down.
0: Right. Yeah. The original Um, building's gone.
3: Right. You know, and how that's, you know, not, not only does it just upset, you know, people like all of us, but you know, upsets the the spirits, you know, and that's understandable. Like you had said, you know,
1: and it comes back to building awareness, you know, and that's one thing that we like to do with paranormal quests. And I feel like uh not that, you know, we believe that we create a lot of awareness of haunted locations through, but I mean, they, they do, they do the same thing with paranormal television. You know, you look at all the places, these old buildings that, you know, started and had a little bit of an inkling of an idea that they were going to start doing paranormal investigations. And, you know, one of the major networks came in with a major television show, you know, and they investigated their caught paranormal evidence. And now they're, you know, on the map and paranormal investigators are going there and they're paying money to investigate these places. And therefore that money can go back into the preservation historically of these locations. And, you know, so that's always been a goal for us as well, you know, on a much smaller scale uh, than the major networks, of course, but just to investigate the locations and teach the history as well as the hauntings, as well as what paranormal evidence we capture Mm -hmm. to teach that to uh, whoever watches our videos so that they can you know spread the uh, awareness as well of these locations and and the history and preserve that.
0: Yeah, don't and, you know, yeah, don't hold gone. back don't hold back too much on because I've seen this even even with our channel that when that happens when people watch those shows they come out to YouTube looking for additional information. So they'll they hit your videos uh, looking for more information about these different locations like you know some of the different west virginia state penitentiary uh shows i mean a, a lot a number of the different shows have filmed out there and somebody does a replay of that or what have you and all of a sudden boom you start getting hits on those or other locations that you've been like um like greg was just on uh haunted hospital so i'm sure uh your st joe's hospital or your st joe's hospital video uh got more hits because i know mine got a few more uh around right then. So, um, so yeah. I,
1: I, you're, you're you're right about that because we, uh, we released our Bel Air House episode right around the same time as paranormal lockdown with Nick Groff. There you go. Uh, and Katrina Weedman came out and it's like, we have, we have that, that video, that episode blew up, you know, and, and it was because it had just been released on that platform on, uh, I believe it was on TLC at the time, but, uh, you know, it had been released on that platform and so many people watched it. And then they, like you said, go and investigate on YouTube, start looking for further information. And so they uh, they ended up hitting our video. And, you know, so you're right about that. Yeah. 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 So don't don't
0: downplay it too much. <laughs> it's a <yeah>. real thing.
1: <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, The but I believe there is a big there's a big role for the paranormal field in preserving history. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I try and I try and convey to people who believe that the paranormal field is doing more harm than good because there are a lot of people out there who believe that investigating the paranormal is silly or it is uh, just wrong or, you know, and and then they don't believe it does any good. And, you know, you can point towards things like this, like what we're talking about, how directly paranormal investigation is able to save buildings and save history and save structures, you know? So uh, taking the entire, Evidence factor out of the equation, the paranormal field can save history. Which oh yeah, because really
0: it, 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 it it builds interest in that location, and I, I've seen other historic locations that struggle and struggle and struggle. Yet they're closed minded to the paranormal, and it's like, be a little more open minded. You'll get some people in there. You know, charge them whatever to you know investigate in there, and you will save your building. It's like Mike, you
2: know. hey, like the bluebell in Guthrie. Ain't do it no more. Can't do it. They won't let you. Well. You know? And I mean, let's face it. This brings in tourism. People hear about places like Mm -hmm. that. They want to come in. It brings in money, not just to that location, but to the community as well. And they're still shunning it because they don't believe in it. Well, here we are, folks, right here on edge of the rabbit hole. I've never met these guys before in my life. And we had the exact same fucking experience at a location, yeah. months or years apart. Explain that <coughs> shit to me. Message me privately. We'll chat.
1: You do inbox is going to blow up now. <laughs> yep. Yep.
2: No more than normal, honey. No more than normal. Okay?
0: Hey, we have yeah, a yeah. Uh, we have an interesting question from Bree Jones. This is oh, it's interesting. It's almost like a question in reverse. Um, have you ever found a location that the spirits don't? Don't want to have preserved; they just want their story told and be done with it.
3: Huh? It's
1: an That's, interesting question.
0: Yeah, it's a little different.
1: Yeah, that is that is interesting. That that we've personally come across, um, I would say probably uh, uh, there are we've come in contact over the years with entities inside the penitentiary that that do not want to be there, that do not want to see that building saved because. You know, you look at those types of locations, the ones that were used almost for a confining life circumstance when these individuals were alive. And then after death, they feel that same confinement, I'm sure. You know, so uh, the destruction of of that building, specifically for that particular spirit, not saying all, but some, that particular one might bring, might be cathartic, might bring some form of release. But, um, you know, we've had certain... uh, feeling or certain people messages conveyed that I I can't remember what location that was I specifically remember a REM pod session where we said do you want this to be this house to be torn down and it went off but anyway um, yeah I feel like that is a real thing you know especially if they have bad memories of their life in that location so
2: and Moundsville is a perfect example of that and for those who have never been in the wagon gate which is the area that they that they hung people um, I remember the guide telling us of a particular situation where they went up the stairs to hang the fella. The rope broke. He hit the ground. They picked him up, took him back up the stairs, and re-strung him up and hung him again <laughs> until it world worked. World. Y'all, that's a bad fucking memory. I don't care who you are and on what day. That's a yeah. bad memory. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is not good. This is not good for people. So when you're talking about those type of instances that happen in a location, I can completely understand how every single person that ever spent time in Moundsville prison would want it torn down. We don't, though.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because and you have the the history of uh, you have the paranormal with that goes along with it. But, you know, Moundsville, the building does a lot of good for educational purposes, you know, to mm-hmm. teach people how corrections has evolved over the years you know people go on hit you know we have about 30,000 people a year go through historical tours of the West Virginia penitentiary to learn about what it was like to live there and the same thing if that history is destroyed they can't learn about it anymore and therefore nobody you know those who did see it those who did go on there uh, did go on the tour will know but eventually that history will be lost and so yeah that, that is very important but yeah anyway that was kind of a, a tangent I went on there. No, and we
0: have to throw out there. Have to throw out there if you go to West Virginia State Penitentiary to, as you said, you know, learn about how corrections has evolved. Not too far away, it's on your shirt. You can check out how other things have evolved. That's right. At the Archive of the Afterlife.
1: Yes, Steve couldn't be here this evening. Yeah. um, But I wore this shirt to uh, make sure that I remembered or make sure that at least Mike reminded me. Thanks, Mike. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) To. To pitch Steve's Paranormal Museum while you're in town looking at the West Virginia Penitentiary Touring, make sure you check out the Archive of the Afterlife. It is a paranormal and oddities museum in Moundsville inside the old Sanford Elementary School. And he has many, many objects that are believed to be cursed, hold some form of energy, or are believed to be haunted. And if anything, very historic. Uh, he One of his yeah. more recent ones he got was a cooling, it was a wicker cooling casket that he has on display now that was from around the 1860s. They used to use these cooling caskets whenever a loved one would die while they were waiting, because transportation wasn't as fast back then. They had to wait for a doctor to get there to pronounce them dead. So they had to basically keep them on ice, which is where that term keep them on ice comes from. Um, and you know, they had to literally keep the body cool so that the decomposition didn't begin before the doctor could pronounce them dead but it allowed air to circulate into it because it's made of wicker and it cooled the body down and then once they were pronounced dead they'd go to a real casket so it was reused and families would reuse these wicker cooling caskets multiple times throughout their family's history and he has one of them on display at the museum as well as the cap to the electric chair that went with old Sparky at the penitentiary right. he has that there as well believed to be used in the execution of nine individuals in the 1950s Uh, and many, many artifacts and items that have been picked up by other groups on paranormal investigations where they picked up energy or evidence off of it, and then they sent it to Steve. So that's always an option as well. If you have an item that you've come across in your years of investigating the paranormal, you don't want it anymore. It carries some energy, dark energy. You don't like it. Steve is more than willing to take it at the archive and give it a a home where people can still see it. Um, And he's been doing this since 2000. Eleven, I want to say, 2011, 2012 is when he opened up the archive of the afterlife. So he's been doing it for about eight years, eight eight years or so now. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a very worthwhile trip, and it's very inexpensive. So uh, tickets to get into the archive are not are not very expensive. So he likes to make it accessible to everybody, so anybody can get in to see it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. I I've, I've sent him a thing or two and I always I, I found it funny when we were at St. Joe's together and uh, Greg was pointing out the the bricks from the original hospital and everybody's like, "No, only take one, Steve." Yeah. <laughs> now Steve, you can only take one. Save
4: some for everybody
1: else. But you guys right. collects the bricks. I he does, yeah. And, uh, yeah.
2: Stone from the uh, from the uh, mausoleum thing looky thingy that sits on top of the hellfire caves in england
4: oh, but really? it oh, wow,
2: yeah but it, w- it wouldn't be big enough but i'll bring something back from ireland no,
3: <laughs> no. well on top of that too with the with the archive uh like ryan said where it's located in the old sanford center uh old school it's it's haunted as well so you get you get a you get a one-stop shop you get the, yep. the
1: haunted museum and you you're in a haunted location uh while you're visiting Yeah, it was featured on My Ghost Story, Um, so the show My Ghost Story, the Sanford Center was, so um, yeah, it it has activity as well, and so it's the perfect place for Steve to put his museum, and and that's where he has it right now, and Steve's the one that operates the overnight investigations out of the Sanford, the former Sanford School there now, so it has a lot of history as well, so if you get the chance, book an investigation at the penitentiary. The following night, you can book an investigation of the Archive of the Afterlife and uh, Sanford School, so it's right there, all in the same city. So Moundsville, your one-stop shop for paranormal
0: investigation. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Um, we have a uh, question here from Shauna. What are your thoughts on child spirits? Do you think there's some type of para-nanny for orphans? <laughs> that's actually
2: a really good question. <laughs> it's a good
0: question. It's, it's funny, but it's it's funny the way it's worded, but it's uh, it's a good question. I think
1: it, that's Shauna it's there's actually and and i don't know if someone wants to go before me but i have a really relevant piece of evidence that it relates directly to that question right there so i mean if if, if somebody wants to go before me and talking about this that's fine because i don't want to like i said bogart the time here no okay so (laughs) i just i just feel bad when i talk too much um so we, we investigated back in 2012, 2013, a house in Moundsville. It was a private residence uh, in Moundsville and they had reported that they had had a slew of paranormal occurrences, that the family was being haunted by a dark shadow figure, as well as the spirit of a young child. Um, and we had been in, uh, doing a lot of interviews with the family and they all felt pretty intimidated by the dark entity which we didn't actually pick up on while we were there, but we did pick up on a very relevant uh, class A EVP from what we believe to be the same child they were experiencing. They called the child Sally whenever the, the, the children of the family would communicate or be talking to this entity, which they would just be talking to nothing and the parents would walk up and the kids would say, I'm talking to Sally. And well, what we did is this was how we actually created what we call our abandonment tactic because we had too many people in the house it was a contamination nightmare Uh, too many people had showed up on the investigation and we just said you know what set up cameras equipment and let's all leave because we didn't want to be rude and say you know you all need to leave and let us stay we just said let's everybody leave we set up everything and about a minute after we walked out of that house and shut the door and locked it behind us there was a very clear crystal clear I don't know whether it's an EVP or an AVP because nobody was there to actually experience it, but I will say it has vocal tone and it even has echo inside the house. It sounds like a little girl says, tell them what, and then you hear an older woman respond to her and it sounds like she says, very clear, same thing, vocal tone, echo, she says, we don't do that. Almost like she's coaching the young child spirit not to talk to us. Which was very, it's very strange that that question came up because as soon as you read that, Mike, I thought that <laughs> sounded exactly like that EVP that we caught in yeah. at that private residence, you know, which that episode is called A Family Haunted as one of our older episodes. So um, I apologize for the quality of the production, but
0: <laughs> you <laughs> but can that, find that. No EVP. apologies. We understand from older stuff. It, I mean, it
1: makes, it makes yeah. perfect sense. And let's take two
2: seconds here to explain why. In in so many of these homes, you have people watching shows that are always talking about how we're going to get them out of here. We're going to make them go away. You know, we can exercise these spirits. Everybody running in all Billy badass. (laughs) What if they don't want to leave? What if it's their home? What if they think that because they if they communicate that that gives us some type of, of power over them to where we can force them out? that makes perfect sense to me she'd be like you know i mean in in, in my tone i'd be like dude don't fucking say a word you're gonna yep. make it go you know she was of course more mommy like
0: yeah good honor mm-hmm. yeah and
1: and and that was exactly why we were there too we were actually sent to this private residence by chris dedman because the family had contacted him and he said i'll come down and i'll do a blessing and get rid of the activity get rid of the spirits if you capture something malevolent and so it makes sense that, you know, the the older mother-like figure and as they had mentioned in the comments, the nanny-like figure would be coaching the young child not to respond because, you know, that was that was literally the goal for what was going on there. If we captured something malevolent like the family was experiencing, you know, they were going to come in and do a blessing of the house and rid the house of that whatever energy or spirits were there. So it makes sense. What you just said makes perfect sense.
2: Thank you. I thought that too.
0: <laughs> yeah i've had people ask before you know do you think that the spirits are able to see each other and interact with each other and i've caught evps before that have said you know we shouldn't talk you know one spirit's, you know talking to another so um you know it, it seems to obviously be the case i, th- I think we we may not quite understand you know the hierarchy and how all that works but um you know kind of you know from your example you're right there where you see a you know mothering type figure to a child or some adult to a child. Uh, So that does apparently exist uh, in that realm.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting too because uh, we actually captured something similar to that at St. Joseph's. Mm -hmm. I believe it was on the second floor, maybe third floor, and it was during, speaking of, abandonment. But it almost sounds like two voices going back and forth. uh, EVP. And so, yeah, that's interesting. But I just thought of that.
1: Yeah, and, and it makes you wonder, is, like, is that something that is possible all the time? Can they communicate with each other all the time, part of the time? Uh, and who can communicate with who? And, you know, why is it if they can hear each other all the time, we can only hear them part of the time? And, you know, it's just a very – it raises more questions than answers, which the paranormal field generally does. Right. People, you know, can't can't see them all the time. <laughs> I've,
2: I've been in situations where I know that two spirits are communicating with each other. But I've also been in locations where the history of it is so layered that this layer might be aware of each other, but they're not aware of this layer. And this layer isn't aware of this layer. You know what I mean? So it just depends on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's snatches in time, layers in time. And, you know, I, it, to me, I find, I find it baffling and fascinating and I just want to know more, Mm -hmm. you know, so.
1: Just that
2: gal. Dive in head first. Damn straight.
0: So we're getting down towards the end. I've been holding on to this question uh, till toward the end because it's more of a fun question. Uh, This is from Leslie Fear. Oh, my girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) She asks Does your team bring snacks while investigating? And I guess what would those snacks be?
1: Do we bring snacks? We do bring snacks. We, uh, I mean, it really depends on the investigation and how busy we were with filming that day. But most of the time, what we we will do is we will go out to dinner during the abandonment session, and we will pig out on enormous amounts of food. We <laughs> <laughs> stock up for the night. That's right. It's like you know we we don't want to bring any food, especially because you know it's all food that needs to be hot and fresh, and you know we don't want to bring any of that back and eat it later. So you know. It's all about quantity, uh, the quantity yep. of food that we put back. And
0: uh, But be careful, because after that third bean burrito, that's a stomach you're hearing later on, not a demon. <laughs> yeah, true
1: story,
2: true story. Do y'all use psychics at all?
1: We have in the past. Um, we just, in general, with, with our investigations, we haven't had anybody that we know— who is psychic, who has been willing to come along with us. You know, it's one of those things, of course, I'm sure if we looked hard enough and, uh, uh, but we do have people that are sensitive. You know, we have uh, David's mother who uh-huh. took the shadow man photograph, Polly gear. She doesn't investigate anymore. She doesn't like to communicate um, simply because she is not comfortable anymore with communicating with the spirit realm. But she is very in tune and very sensitive to a lot of things. Uh, I don't... Uh, if you even asked her, I they don't think she would say that she is psychic, so to speak. Um, but she is very in tune, and she definitely has enhanced our investigations with the ones that she's been on uh, with her sensitivity. So, um, well, if you bring any,
2: take food to the investigations because we need it. Okay? <laughs> yeah.
4: nah. So whenever you have
2: a psychic on site, have granola bars. Get some chocolate for the gal or the guy. Believe me. <laughs> right a little
1: beef jerky never hurt nobody okay pizza uh we, we yeah,
2: i can go. put back a whole pizza <laughs> after an investigation i mean i'll yeah. just shovel it in I don't Dur- but
0: directly after investigation i gotta go for the dark chocolate it helps with that pineal gland really I it does tried that yet. dark chocolate dark chocolate helps yep i need to professor lupin from harry potter was not kidding chocolate helps So okay, I'll do that. that. So I saw the comment down in the chat. You guys want to talk a little bit about your uh, your event coming up here, your Paracon on July 20th? I saw that my buddy Rick Hayes is going to be there. So um, since I'm probably not going to be able to make it, I'm disappointed. (laughs) I'm going to miss Rick.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're lucky enough to have Rick agree to come in and speak Andy's going to be doing his own gallery reading towards the end of the event which you can buy tickets on his website for if you want to actually be a part of the gallery reading with rick hayes i mean he was for many years in a row he's been actually voted as one of the top psychics in in a in america or in the world or but i mean he's very world renowned uh and he is very good at what he does uh we we're gonna have uh rick hayes there we're gonna have other speakers um there's a tour company in marietta Ohio that's going to come up and talk about some of their locations and experiences. Hidden Marietta tour company is going to be there. Um, We're going to have uh, Adam Bonnet, who is of course, uh, he has glider uh, and he goes and investigates and he's a, uh, a great, great asset to the, to the Paracon and and any Paracon that he speaks at, um, advocating for those with disabilities and, and, you know, pursuing their goals and, and living their dreams. And, you know, so he's going to be a good one to, to, to to listen to and to not miss and then of course we have the Tennessee uh, two of the Tennessee Wraith Chasers which you might recognize from the uh, Destination Americas Ghost Asylum and Haunted Towns and then the Travel Channel Haunted Towns and Haunted Live and and who knows what in the world those guys are working on now I know I see them all over social media talking about they're flying here flying there filming this filming that so who knows what's next for them but uh, Doogie uh, Stephen McDougal and uh, Mike Mike Gonzalez are gonna be there representing the Tennessee Wraith Chasers and they're gonna speak as well. Um, So, and of course, we're gonna have vendors. Uh, We're gonna have a investigation, of course. Uh, If you buy the VIP package, you get the investigation after the convention is over. And of course, Mike and Doogie are gonna be there for that. I'm hoping Rick Hayes sticks around to to be a part of that. Um, You know, so it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna do ghost tours throughout the prison in the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event. And if you are in the area or you have the means to travel, you can get tickets on WVPentours.com, or we will also at the time be selling the normal tickets at the gate, now VIP tickets. Those are about half sold out already, uh, and the event is still months away. It's July 20th, so they're already half sold out. So if you want to attend the investigation, I recommend going on that website, WVPentours.com, and buying those VIP tickets ASAP.
0: Um, yeah but, and, and yeah. I don't want to speak for him, but knowing Rick because we, we've done a, uh, a few events together he usually sticks around for a little while for the investigation so good, I would good. expect it so he's he's usually really good about that so
1: yeah I have not actually gotten to experience what Rick picks up whenever he's in there He says he's been there before but I wasn't there when he was there okay. in the past so I'm, I'm interested to see when he actually goes into the penitentiary what he picks up on being that he you know is so in tune with the spirit world and uh of course it's going to be a very interesting night of investigating as well as a very fun day you know um we're going to have we have lots of vendors we made sure we're going to have uh we're going to have food we have uh believe we have a food truck already booked um you know so there's a lot of food uh we're going to have there's going to be popcorn refreshments it's going to be you know we're going to have pretty much everything you would need right there and uh it's going to be sponsored by a local restaurant called Huddle House. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time.
0: I've been to that Huddle House before. <laughs> That's right. It's the only place open in I know. <laughs> All right, so um, how can everybody find you? And then we'll get to the, uh, the shout-outs and everybody and everything, everybody.
3: How can they find us, Jason? You can find us and Steve and Dave at... On YouTube, find our YouTube channel Paranormal Quest. You can find us Paranormal Quest on Facebook, Paranormal Quest on Instagram. Twitter,
1: Still on? Twitter is uh, at PQ Reality.
3: PQ yeah. Reality.
1: And, uh, yeah, we're on all, almost all the social media platforms. Um, we used to have a pa- uh, Patreon page, but I don't know whether we do or, do or not anymore, <laughs> to be honest. We, uh, we didn't really have very many people that uh, went over and decided to become patrons, so we kind of fell off the face of the earth with that. But if you happen to find our Patreon page, we may restart that.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. And I did put the link to their YouTube channel down in the description so you can easily uh, find that one there. And then if you go to the Facebook event, both the YouTube channel and their Facebook page are are in the Facebook event. So there's ways to find them for sure. All right, so let's go ahead, and if you guys don't mind, we're going to quickly get to uh, some shout-outs here. First of all, uh, Super Chat Superstars, Dustin Samario, Joe Chandler, Katie Palmer, and Chipper Terry. Thank you all very much for being Super Chat Superstars this evening. And then uh, we'll get to some shout-outs here. Really appreciate everybody down in the chat tonight. There are several of you, absolutely fantastic. So uh, I wanted to thank uh, Shauna for shenanigating the chat this evening. So we have uh, Andrew Cox in the house. Bree Jones, Beat 3 Airspace. Thank you very much, which reminds me. Uh, deep down the rabbit hole. You're talking about Patreon patrons. We have deep down the rabbit hole Patreon patrons. Uh, Tom McNicholas, B3 Airspace. BD Flint, Zippy Davis, uh, Joe Chandler, Dustin Samario, Andrew Cox, Pamela Queen, and um david yisiel i think i said his name correctly shauna will probably correct me later on <laughs> uh we'll see we have brandy Starleeper in the house burgo king thank you very much for joining us tonight carmen explorers thanks for joining us uh, kathy siliento thank you as always chipper terry thank you uh, Creatrix Corvus Arts That's Mickey Dole Thank you once again Donna Gorton Of course Thank you very much For being with us tonight There's Dustin Samario And EQEQ Thank you once again Greg Rinkin Thank you as well Judy Wilson And Katie Palmer Thank you uh, There's Kelly McCarvel She's in the house Going to be at I am going to be At uh, Kelly McCarvel's event This coming weekend uh, Psychic and Paranormal Expo In Dubuque, Iowa So check that out uh, You guys um, and then there is Leslie Fear, thank you for joining us tonight uh, Lily Tooby, thank you as always And of course there's Paranormal Quest down there uh, Tom McNicholas and Tanya Sargisian And I hope I say your name correctly If I butcher anybody's name, I do apologize uh, There's Diane Hilbert, Heramedia's Fairy Queen Katie Hopkins was in the house as well And uh, let's see, Rick Gabbert and Robert Hanna. And uh, William Bennett as well. Yeah, see that participants list is not all inclusive because there's a lot more people here. Discord Threads, thank you very much. April M. Winoguans, thank you as well. Nichelle Thompson, thank you as always. There's The Haglin. And I think that is going to about do it. If we forgot anybody, again, apologize. There's a lot of you in the house tonight. And so um, it's hard to get everybody, <laughs> but we try. All right. Uh, and there's JoJo. All right. <laughs> Ryan and Jason. I know. <laughs> After saying all those names, I'm like, man. Whew. Whew. He's going to pass. Kiss my way. breath. I am. All <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> <laughs> let me get some coffee here <laughs> now I'm good <laughs> All right, Ryan and Jason Paranormal Quest, thank you guys so much for coming out tonight, really do appreciate it we'll have to have you guys back on again here uh, really soon So
1: absolutely, we would love to thanks okay.
0: again you guys have a great night everybody else stay tuned for Inside the Upside Down we're going to be talking about paranormal television shows hot topic All right. <laughs> coming up next Good then